Here we are at the Hempathetic Podcast episode. What number is this, Justin? Please tell me. What episode? 6.5. 6.5. That is celebrating the little bit of dabbing I did earlier today. Thank you very much. So I have a wonderful guest here with me today, folks. We have Shania Smith, originally from Baltimore, Maryland, now here in Rochester, New York. I met her recently. I love telling stories of how I meet people because networking is all about networking. So I was out at a new local tavern that has a really cool, uh, like, I want to say garage covered area outside. What's the name of the place again? Uh, beer park. Yeah, beer park. So, and I have, I was on a motorcycle and I heard you could drive your motorcycle into the bar so my first time arriving there, I pulled my motorcycle in the bar, go walk around, and this short little stuff looked like a tough security guard there. I think she's all of four feet 11, maybe 105 pounds, but I knew I wasn't going to mess with her because she could beat my butt. Shania Smith. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so how accurate was I on, on the uh, description for people? I am totally 5'2", so I'm going to fight you after this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think I may weigh like 108, so. Good. So, uh, Shania, the reason why we brought her onto the podcast is because she is an exercise fitness guru, uh, and she has a business that she has had here in Russia for how long now? Uh, I've been around for almost a year and a half, I think. A year and a half. Pretty short year and a half. Excellent. Maybe coming up on two, I might be underselling it. And Sean. Do you prefer Sean? I do uh, prefer Sean okay. because no one can really pronounce Shania. Excellent. So Sean, it is. Sean, it is. So Badass Bodies by Sean. Uh, her new space, uh, I actually was in it a couple of years ago and it looked like a dirty, dingy basement um, of a old factory in Rochester that really, uh, who owns that building now? Do you know his name by any chance, Sean? He's a really good guy, um, doing a really good job rehabbing on Exchange Street in Rochester. And I love that these properties are getting rehabbed. Uh, and she took the Space over from a computer, a company that recycled computers, um, iPads, iPhones, that kind of thing. And she got out, scraped the floor of this place, and it looks phenomenal. Like I was there this weekend. Are you excited? I'm super excited. I wasn't excited when I scraped the floor or the ceiling, but I'm pretty excited now that it's all shiny and new and awesome. So tell me a little bit how you got to the spot where you got the space. So originally I was over right next door to comedy at the Carlson. I was uh, subleasing there from a uh, shout out to the dance center because I'm more over there. It took great care of me uh, for a little over a year. Uh, She's a godsend. And uh, my clientele grew uh, quite a bit and it was just time to move and branch off into my own. So I searched for a while. I was at it for maybe about 90 days looking for a space. And this gem just kind of fell into my lap and I love it. Like, I absolutely love the space. This wasn't an easy road, though, if I'm not mistaken, right? Wasn't there, like, oh, like stuff in the parks and oh. you're holding stuff in different places? It was so bad. So initially, I was supposed to move into a space. I had a realtor and everything, and this guy strung me along for about 90 days. I had already signed the lease and everything, but never moved in. And then... uh I was, uh, so I'm also a private investigator fund. So I went into the office there and uh, me and her were talking and she said, you haven't, you haven't found the space yet. And I said, no. And she said, I'm going to help you. And that fast, she keyed it up. She fired up the computer and found the space and I called them and signed the lease the next day. It was that simple. 
how did you see what you developed it into from what you walked into? Because now, was all the computer gear still in there when you walked oh, in there? Oh, yeah, the computer, the wrecking, it was, gr- it was super dirty. I didn't see anything. I'm not going to lie. My husband, David, saw the vision. I, I wanted to run when I seen it. And uh, he just kept saying, no, no, it's going to work. And he's never steered me wrong. So I just went along with it. He did all the work, too, by the way. So what they did was they used pallets and glass for mirrors and have some simple uh, workout equipment. You kind of describe how the space came together because I was impressed. I, mean, I walked in, I didn't even realize there was a couch when you walked in made of pallets. It took me a half hour and I have a pretty good eye to realize that. So, <laughs> so space kind of came together as far as the pallet walls. So we made a lot of the walls out of pallets just because it's really functional and porous and, uh, Covered a lot of the dark and dingy, although we did paint under it. Uh, just brightened up the place a little bit, gave it a feel I felt like uh, gyms around wouldn't have. Just kind of set us aside from uh, other places, and instead of just doing mirrors down the wall, I wanted to do something framed. You know, I'm, I'm kind of over-the-top kind of person when it comes to stuff like that. But again, that wasn't even me. It was my husband just knowing, I guess, what I needed or what I would want or just being with me for so long. He knew eventually he'd have to do it. So he just did it from the beginning, I think. So what's your, what's your vision for the space now Are you, and maybe what the future vision is? And, and tell a little bit about your philosophy on bodybuilding for people who might be interested in coming in to uh, work with you. So bodybuilding, I completely stay away from that, guys, just so you know. That's poor choice of words. I apologize. Personal training. Probably personal training. Oh, I'm all about personal training. Bodybuilding, I say find somebody that's really into that because that's, that's not me. Personal training, I... Uh, so right now I'm doing personal uh, family fitness. I have a, uh, it's more of a mommy, it's a mommy and me style class, but it's not. It's called Bring Your Badass Kids to Workout. So uh, that goes from six weeks to, I have kids as old as 19. So if your kid's six weeks, then you would use the kid as a weight, you know, to, to help enhance your workout. So give you, you know, you wouldn't have to get a sitter, which is a big, I found uh, when I first started, a lot of my parents had to bring kids to class and kids don't want to sit for an hour ever. So I always had to find something for them to do, or I had to hold somebody's kid while they were working out. So then I just started finding things, you know, little workouts for them to do while they were sitting. And then after I thought about why don't I just do a bring your bed ass kids to work out where you both could work out. And that would, that could benefit my son at the time you know because he needed to work out and I was there and he would come and he would sit and he wanted to do it but I didn't want him to be in people's way so I just designed something that worked for everybody so and it's been going really well I love it and I love kids so it just kind of played out for those of you people who go to LA Fitness put your kids in the little kids area up front and go do your workout they don't see what you're doing to get by every day whereas this program is phenomenal because the kids will see what their parents do to maintain their lives and their bodies daily. The kids love it. Um, my son actually has got probably like four kids in this class that come every week and they range from, they come with their moms, dads, grandmas, aunts, uncles, anybody. And I, I don't put a number on the amount of kids you can bring, but most people, you know, at the most bring two kids. And um, it's awesome. I like I like seeing kids work out and I make workouts for kids. So they're not just hanging out. They're definitely working out. And we do some partner stuff, too, which is super cute. You know, my son and my husband both work out together using equipment. So I like that. So how many kids do you have? I have four and two grandkids. Oh, 
But to look at her, guys, like the celebrity she most resembles, I'm trying to figure out. Do you have one? I, I want to say Jada Pinkett Smith, but maybe not. Like, but you have that attitude. You, like, I, I feel like a- Will Smith should be walking in the room and like you're like owning it. Like, and, and her husband is like shaking her head, his uh, head, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I do get that a lot. But uh, she may be a little sassier than me. I think it's the Baltimore thing. She's from Baltimore. She's from Maryland, too. So I think that's why people get that vibe. Well, I think it's, Miles. yeah. Plus, I think it's just body style um, to compare for people. But I think it's more about your personality. Like, you come out, like, you, you get it. Like, you got it. So you're from Baltimore originally. I love to hear this. Yes. Tell me about Baltimore growing up there. So I moved from, we, we moved here from Baltimore in 2003. So I've been in Baltimore at this point half my life. I'm not going to tell you how old I am because then I have to hide. <laughs> but um, Wait, four kids and two grandkids, guys. Come on. She can't hide it that bad. Four kids and two grandkids. Yeah. Well, I'm going to start hiding some of them and then I won't have to tell people how old I am. <laughs> she doesn't have a gray hair on her head, by the way, guys. Um, you're so kind. So um, originally I am originally from Baltimore and I went to Baltimore public schools, all that good stuff, played all the sports, Baltimore, play volleyball. I mean, uh, basketball, play volleyball for a little bit. Um, I can't swim, so I'm not going to lie. I did not do that. And let's see. I did a lot of stuff. Where, where do you want to start? Oh, please just go on. <laughs> Come on, bring it on. Where what compels you? Wanna you? I wanna, you? What, so how about this? What made you become an entrepreneur? Because wait a minute. Weren't you a police officer at one stage? I was. Well, let's so, not bypass so that. I was a police that officer a in Baltimore. Uh, me and my husband worked there for almost four years before we left to move here and uh, bring our family here just because we felt the Silver Rochester was a lot safer um, than Baltimore. And he had a lot more family here. And, uh, you know, his parents were getting older. So we thought we were going to come here to take care of them. No, at this point, they may be taking care of us. They're 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 going to outlive us, I think. Well, I met David's mother, I believe, the other night, and she's got more energy than most people. I'm watching her bebop around, jump around. Like, I don't know how old she is, but yeah, you're not taking care of her anytime soon. So the best part is I had only met her like twice when I came here, and I when I thought I was going to take care of her, and absolutely not. She's a spitfire. You cannot hold her down. It, at some point, she's going to be pushing my walker. She's going to be like 120. At least I hope. She's awesome. I love my mother-in-law, Pam. She's awesome. That's so refreshing to hear. Right? It's yeah. a, it's very uncommon, too, I hear. People don't like their mother-in-laws. I don't know what's up with that. No. Wait, but wait a minute. We've got to go back to you being a police officer. Like, what what, yeah, what made you want to leave being a, from, from that uh, career, I guess? That, that's intriguing. Well... So my husband wanted to be a cop since he was a kid. Like I heard he had a little ticket book, like a whole thing. Uh, Not so much me. I just kind of fell into it by a treat. So actually, just fun, fun fact, just before that, I was working for the post office. I had been at the post office for about a year and a half, just kind of tooling around, uh, carrying mail, running from dogs, you know, all the good stuff. And uh, my friend was... My friends actually talked me into being a police officer so I could uh, legally protect them. And why I say legally protect them is that I've always been super overprotective of my friends. So I may or may not have done some home invasions to protect them. And they were like, hey, why don't you just become a police officer and then you could do this legally. Like you could help everybody and try to protect everybody. So first we mulled it over for a year. I was like, absolutely not. I don't, I don't think so. We'll just keep doing it this way. 
And then, and then uh, my friend, my real good friend at the time became a police officer and she actually talked me into it. I'm glad she did. I had great times as a police officer in Baltimore, but my husband got over it. He wanted to move back. So I gave Rochester a chance. Initially, I was going to join RPD, but the process is a lot different than Baltimore. They want you to stand in the line, take a test. It was a lot. In Baltimore, I kind of just showed up and was smart, passed the test right away, and was hired in like 30 days. Interesting. How long were, how long were you an officer down there? Almost four years. What years? Just curious. Oh, one till end of three. Okay. So I'm curious. So my, um, my cousin lived in Albany a long time and now he's down in Baltimore mm-hmm. and uh, now he's in Virginia. He's ready to Fairfax. move back. Oh. No, no, he's, he's, he, he drinks the syrup a little bit down there. He likes oh. it down there. So my question is, there's this big thing in Baltimore. <laughs> People drive these motorcycles and ATVs and, and more. The dirt and, bikes? Yeah, the dirt bikes. The 12 o'clock all, boys? Yeah, all right. So, so tell, tell people about what happens at Baltimore. So listen, this. the 12 o'clock boys, actually, one of the best riders is my first cousin. <laughs> one of the best riders is my first cousin. He is, uh, he's amazing at it. Now, I'm not a huge fan of dirt bikes, especially being uh, ex-law enforcement. I'm just not, uh, you know, there, there are kids that are very unsafe you know, with them and, and cause a lot of issues, but they're all, I mean, it's, it's fun. It's entertaining. It's the same as I guess any other sport. It's just got a super dangerous effect to it. So on Sundays, everybody gets together at the park, man. And they, they, they do it up big. They go around the whole city though. Mm-hmm. Like they own the city on Sundays. So they travel. I don't know if you've seen that. They travel. Uh, my cousin just left from Atlanta. They went to Chicago and they go down and they record. They get the, uh, I guess the other bike, the people that are into it down there and they put on these great videos. So I've seen quite a few. I, I follow my cousin pretty, pretty good on that. He actually posted an awesome video yesterday that I checked out on Instagram. So, so it's probably like any other, um, uh, culture or, or group of people. There's probably periphery, like people that are really on the edge with it, where they're just out being outlandish on the streets of Baltimore. And there's probably a core that really are serious about it. Right. And the ones that are travelers are probably that serious. Yeah. Core. They're, they're more the travelers. So you have, uh, you get the more rabble rouser. I think that's the, the younger guys, you know, the ones that are just grown up, they kind of terrorize the police a little bit just for fun, just cause you know, you can't catch them. You're not supposed to chase them, and they know that. So they taunt you a little bit. So it could get it, it gets interesting. That's cool. So if anybody ever wants to see, go on YouTube. I'm sure there's videos everywhere about the 12 o'clock boys down in Baltimore. You want to be entertained a little bit. Mm. Um, so before the podcast started, I asked uh, Sean a question here, and um, our opinions differed a little bit. So uh, we were talking about, uh, I want to ask her how being an entrepreneur in Rochester has been for her. Uh, as a black woman in Rochester, starting a business, like has it been hard or easy? But I want to preface it a little bit by saying she came from Baltimore, which... Um, I think in her mind, maybe she thought it was a city that was more poverty than Rochester, New York. But actually, the, uh, there's a sad stat about Rochester that I don't necessarily like to tell people. Um, but on one of the websites I just found, um, Area Vibes, but I've seen in other places, um, basically 10 worst cities for poverty in the country. Syracuse, New York is ranked ninth and Rochester, New York is ranked 10th. Uh, most people aren't aware of that. I've known that for a while. Number one on the list, just to put things in perspective for people. Uh, Flint, Michigan's number one, obviously, all the and Detroit, uh, and that's the automakers have caused that. Athens, Georgia is on the list right after, then Gainesville, Florida, and uh, Brownsville, Texas, Cleveland, Ohio, Hartford, Connecticut, Dayton, Ohio, Syracuse, New York, Rochester, New York was the list that I saw of this, and most people aren't aware of that. So 
bringing that stat up, did, have you found it difficult to be an, an entrepreneur in Rochester or have you found, you know, what have you found? I don't have much base as far as, I mean, I wasn't an entrepreneur, I was an entrepreneur in Baltimore. I find it to be pretty easy. I'm, I don't know. I, I make friends easy. I, I you know, I, I attract people with great energy. So I wouldn't say personally, I have a hard time. I'm having a hard time. And I'm shocked about the poverty level. I think most of my friends live in Pittsburgh. That's why I bought it. I would, I would did, had no clue. I thought Rochester, I mean, Baltimore was definitely the brokest city ever. And Rochester was doing pretty good. But And to be honest, I thought Chicago would be a higher on that list. Um, but I guess if we went for a list of cities with crime rates, mm-hmm. we'd probably be seeing Baltimore and Chicago higher on those lists where the crime rates in Rochester aren't horrible uh, and actually have shown improvement over the last couple of years. Considering the poverty, which is kind of almost weird, right? So from a, a perspective of, of law enforcement, what do you think about that stat? Is that kind of peculiar? I feel like Rochester has a different class of people in Baltimore, though. I think that does that does a lot for it. Um, I think Baltimore, not I think, I know, Baltimore is super overpopulated. People are just frustrated because they're on top of each other. You know, I feel like here, although poverty, you know, may be an issue, I think it's more spread out. I think people, you know, aren't on top of each other, so they don't have that frustration. So the crime rate is lower, you know, if, if people are right on top of you and you're hot and you're agitated, you just have this nasty attitude or demeanor all the time. You know, that it's like coffee assault after because, well, you're annoyed. Here, people, I, I find people find different outlets for things like have a positive outlook on things, even if things aren't going great. And I didn't get that much there. Part of the reason why I moved here. Although I do find I call this place Smallville. When I first moved here, it was so nice. I was concerned that, you know, you guys were just trying to, like, harvest my organs or something weird. Like, you guys wrote me in the move in here. I, I was really nervous, but uh, no, still almost 15 years and uh, everybody's still smiling. So <laughs> nobody took and your I organs. I still yet. have my organs. Well, oh, no, they took my appendix in Baltimore. I was, should have been concerned there. I would be more concerned about my organs in, in Baltimore because it's right next to the port and they can get out of town with it a lot quicker than here. But the only thing I do here is put on a cement truck and a, or a cement ship and slowly bring it out of port. They probably wouldn't want it if they had it, whatever it was. No, I love, you're right. Absolutely. <laughs> cool stuff. So I don't want to forget, like the name of this podcast is called Hempletic for a reason because we like talking about the cannabis plant. And I'm always interested in talking. And of course, the first time I met her, you know, we were talking about this right away because I don't... I had to promote myself. That's why she was like, oh, Brian, we got to exchange numbers. You got to come see my place. I got to I got to be on your podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about cannabis and exercise a bit. What's your opinion on cannabis and exercise in general and your experience with it? I like them both. So uh, cannabis, as it relates to me and exercise is, uh, you know, I played roller derby for six years uh, for Rock City Roller Derby and, you know, for I got injured quite a bit. I had a few concussions, some sprains, some breaks. I'm, you know, 
you're going fast on skates, on concrete most of the time. So there's always the possibility of injury. So I found that I was at the emergency room quite a, quite a bit in the beginning. And they prescribe you everything. You know, you go there and they give you all these pain meds that make you feel gross. So actually, you know, at the time I wasn't smoking. And one of my uh, teammates actually hooked me up on the, and I, on the, bu- on the way back on the bus I didn't feel anything. I, it didn't hurt like, you know, I had been because I was actually trying to be a candidate for a new back. Mine hurt so bad. I was trying to get a, a whole transplant. So at the uh, so at the time, uh, one of my teammates suggested it. And, you know, being an ex-police officer before, I was like, uh, not so interested. But, uh, you know, then I had to remember, man, you're not a cop anymore. And uh, this could work out better than that stuff that they gave me. I can't remember what it was, but I felt so gross the next day. And, you know, for Derby, it's such a demanding sport. You know, we we basically spend almost every waking second together. So we exercise together. We we do every, you know, we become like best friends, sisters. When I came here, I had hardly any friends. I joined roller derby. I had 60 girlfriends right off the bat. So it was awesome. Now, when you say 60, your team isn't 60. No, but there was so, there are three teams. I don't know if you know this. There, So um, there are three home-based teams. I haven't played in some years, so I don't know if this is how it still works. I'm pretty sure it does. So um, there were three teams, the Rochester's 585 and the Midtown Mullers, all based off of, you know, Rochester stuff at one point. They were thinking about calling us the White Hots. I'm so glad that they didn't since I don't eat meat. I thought it was gross. But uh, so you have three um, home teams. From the three home teams, you guys all try out for travel teams like, you know, most other sports. So on those travel teams, so and that's 20 girls each. You can have up to 20 girls and you can roster 14 um, per bout. And so you have these girls sitting on the bench and then, you know, you have other players still on the team so you have to compete for who's going to play out of the spots you know you basically are busting each other up at practice to show them that you got what it takes against the other team so the weird part is that's where I got injured the most with my friends you know we we show no mercy on each other which I love by the way that you know the competitiveness and the camaraderie and you have a bad day you go and you bust your friends up but they usually bust me up worse some days Roller derby is people on roller skates going in a circle. Now, I remember it on ESPN in the 70s and early 80s when there was these high banked walls and the girls are getting whipped and the guys are getting whipped around on the high bank walls. And I see her shaking her head at eight. There's no high banked walls anymore. No. And me, I love roller skating. Like, I'm, I'm a roller skater. Like, I'm, I'm not a, I cannot inline skate because it kills my ankles, but I'm a roller skater. Mm. And taking those tor- current curves at Horizon or something and I'm doing the crossover and I'm making that turn to go back the other direction. I can't imagine going as fast as you women do and watching out like without a high bank. Tra- how, how like so we're it's there is bank track derby, but definitely not in Rochester for insurance issues. They kind of stay away from that. If you have bank track, you have to keep that up all the time and have it inspected. So it worked out better for us to do flat track because we could basically run it and manage it ourselves. You know, as women, we could, you know, figure it all out and make sure it was always, you know, make sure it was always functional. All we had to do was put down a track on concrete, actually, and just have right at it. So that always worked out uh, well for us. I'm not, I'm not that technical at putting stuff together, so 
glad we didn't have a bank track. But it's on cement. It's not even on wood. Like I feel like wood would like have a little bit of bounce to your head, but cement is like Well, a lot of the things that you saw back in the day were for pure entertainment purposes, clearly. Um, Now, that's not the case. It's more like hockey. It's more structured. It's structured more like hockey, like... The, the box, I stayed in the box a lot. It's not called a penalty box. It's just called the box, but I was there. So there's, there's a lot of penalties. There's no elbows, there's no pushing, there's no punching. It's none of the good stuff that you saw on TV. It's all hip checks, body checks. I could throw my whole teammate into somebody, but I couldn't punch her in the face. So that's kind of the, the base. So you can push people anywhere you want. Now, there's just lines on the floor, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're pushing people, you're put, you can be pushing them like hundreds of feet off the track with a push. Like... Like, is it, is it more subtle than that? I haven't oh, seen roller derby. I want to go see the roller derby It's very now. controlled. So and I wouldn't necessarily just push my teammate into somebody. I would be holding onto her and actually just using her like a wrecking ball, but still holding onto her and maneuvering her into who I want her to hit and her flipping me around doing the same. So it's a very fluent movement. You know, we're both at this point, roller derby is played facing each other you know you and your partner would face each other whereas though um in 2008 we were playing it all in a row all across from each other and just kind of hitting each other you know back and forth like kind of knocking each other out like marbles now it's so much strategy to it it's it's crazy the tournaments it's crazy it's not it's just so much so if people don't know anything about roller derby like myself Explain the rules a little bit, please. Like, uh, like before I go, I have to understand something. Oh, no, so no, no I'd worries. rather have, get it from you than Google. Like, oh, no, no worries. So uh, you show up and you have a team of five girls each. You have five girls on each side and you have two jammers, right? Your two jammers score all the points for you, right? And then you four are on offense and defense at the same time to make a long story short. So, you know, you're hitting your jammer through, but you're keeping that jammer out. And the process of doing that, you can't hit her in the face, the eye, the neck, uh, the back. Definitely you can't back block anybody. That's a huge penalty that could get you ejected. You know, you have to you have to be a great sport too. You know, it's not if they think in any way you're doing anything egregious, you'll get ejected. Because it's a huge potential to get hurt. And people do get hurt. I've seen some pretty bad breaks. Compound fractures, I mean, you name it. So the refs are really, really awesome about it. And it's a lot of refs on the track at the same time because you got uh, two pack refs. You know, you got you got people watching it as a whole. You got people, two different people just watching just individual jammers uh, doing it and making sure that they're not getting penalties because the jammers, you can only engage the jammer in certain zones or that's a penalty. Again, anything that's egregious that you could think Anything old school derby would get you a penalty uh, these days. Sportsman, I mean, you you can't yell or curse or any of that. That'll get you ejected too. So you just have to be a great sport all the way around. It's how do you score points? So by to score points, you have to like I said, we're keeping the opposing jammer behind us because as soon as she passes you, you're a point. Gotcha. So, but in order to score points or be a lead jammer, you have to get through clean without any penalties your first pass. So the first pass that you fight your way through doesn't count for anything. Except if you don't get a penalty, the next time you go around, you'll get a point for every girl that you hit. If you get a penalty, you'll go to the box and the girl that beat you around will get a point for everybody for on your team. And then they're trying to keep you from scoring points while she's in the box, which is fun. The whole thing is fun. If you haven't seen it, you got to check it out. It's uh, No, that sounds really fun. Like way more fun than I remember. Like remembering the high bank turns in the 70s, I've never gone to see roller derby locally. Mm-hmm. 
And because I always felt like without that, and now the way you've explained it, now I'm going to go watch. Like, I'm a totally intrigued. Uh, so there's about 60 girls that do this locally in Rochester about then. Probably, and then so it's like 60 girls that just skates. Yeah. You're not talking about girls that just volunteer. You have refs. You have people that come just to take score. You have, I mean, it's a huge organization. Uh, probably definitely over a hundred people in total. And now they have men's derby. So before, you know, men could only ref, you know, help and coach, but now they have men's derby too. So you have 60 girls, but then you also have however many men that are playing now too uh, for Flower City Fear. So derby's getting pretty big. So did you make the travel team in your six years? Yes, or like, I did were make you the moving? travel What's team the, all so, six years. So the tra- so you have the rock stars, um, the Rochester, the rock city rock stars and then you have the b-sides so then the b-sides is the is so it would be like jv and varsity so i played on the jv team all okay. six years yeah i love loved it, it. <laughs> um so did were you doing training at this time as well or is this before you got in personal no training? i was the most unfit person ever then i really was and i really contributed to never having any time to work out or do anything i spent so much time at derby that's all i did was Derby and work and be a mom. There was really no time. I actually got fit sometime after Derby. So you don't even think Derby got you fit? To no, me, it seems like that would like not enough cardio. I wish it did. Um, my eating habits weren't right. You know, I I I played Derby a lot, but I really wasn't eating much of anything. So you know, and the carb loading. We did a lot of carb loading. I carb loaded every day. Every day at 11 o'clock, I forget I didn't eat and just have a bowl of pasta with red sauce. And that was it. So, no, I actually got fit after I left Derby and had some time for myself. I think you have to have at least a couple minutes for yourself to, to get fit. I'm so happy you just brought up nutrition. So, you and what you're doing in your, in your business, how do you talk to people about nutrition with people in your classes in general? And, and what's your, your own nutritional um, history or what you do now? So... I'm pescatarian. Uh, I do eat fish. Long story short, I have some serious texture issues. I would eat meat if it wasn't gross and wasn't kind of like slimy or weird. Um, <laughs> I think that that's the, the biggest part of it. Uh, I do, I'm whole plant-based for the most part. Not even so much uh, pescatarian because I haven't had fish in a while. Just haven't been feeling it. I'm more of a kind of be in the mood to eat something kind of person. I could go years without, you know, I probably could go years without eating fish at this point, but I like the whole plant-based diet. It, you know, people think that you have to get proteins from fruit, from, you know, meat, but I'm doing just fine from veggies. You know, I, I, I do a lot of research, read a lot of books. My favorite book right now is a China study. I've read it like two times right now. And uh, it really gives you a lot of insight on, you know, how plants, can be fully nutritional that is you know complete that you know complete fiction that you have to eat meat to be healthy and I've I've never eaten meat and I consider myself to be very healthy and you know body fat you know anything I you, I just I hate the people always ask me well how are you getting your protein you have to have these proteins I'm getting it all from the veggies that I'm eating and I feel great. I mean, I, I do do some nuts and stuff like that. But for the most piece, I love spinach. I absolutely love spinach. I eat it for breakfast a lot. Do you find you have to manage? Uh, it's tougher to manage in, in the way you eat compared to other people, maybe um, uh, to make sure you stay, have enough nutrition in you for everything you do. 
Well, you also have to factor in I'm the only one in my house that doesn't eat meat out of, you know, my whole family. So a lot of times I prepare my food separately. Anyway, I prepare them something. I'm lying. My husband does the cooking. He prepares them them something separate. And then he prepares what I need. Um, Actually, meal prep, I think, saved my life. It really did because uh, when I first started to get fit, I joined Weight Watchers and not be just to see what I should be eating. I had no clue of what I should be eating. I thought that a grilled cheese every day was amazing for me because it was just cheese and bread. Turns out it's not that great for you. Damnedest thing. Perfect timing, Jay. <laughs> Damnedest thing. And uh, my other love is cheese pizza, but man, God fix me, lactose intolerant, no more cheese pizza. No, not no cheese at all. If I didn't have ice cream or cheese pizza. So I here's the thing: I could totally, I could totally do dairy, but I don't like milk at all. So cheese was like it. Cheese was like the holy grail of my diet, and it is gone. It makes me so sad every day. Rest in peace, cheese. Sorry to hear it. I know. Oh. I had a funeral for it in my mind. I attended it a couple months ago. It was so sad. Did it drag on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So my favorite um, vice, so I, I've been doing triathlon 17 years and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at my diet. I'm not perfect. I believe we do what we do, uh, what I do as far as working out, nutrition, so I can eat what I want and drink what I want when I mm-hmm. want. Like I don't believe in being the masochist to my body. If I want to eat something, I'm going to eat it. So my favorite vice is organic peanut butter in a bowl, heat it up, two scoops of chocolate chip ice cream on there, mix it up. Mmm, that is my nighttime like, mmm. No. So I feel the same. I eat whatever I want, but you know, I'm, 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 I hold myself accountable. I know if I've eaten some Doritos, which is probably the worst thing that I eat at this point or something, if, you know, then I work out that day. I work out that day anyway, but you know. Is that to get your little fake cheese, nacho cheese fix? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey, it's definitely not made with real cheese, okay? My stomach does not hurt after I eat Doritos. For those who eat Doritos, those are not real nacho cheese Doritos. Listen, don't go piss enough Dorito. It may just not be enough cheese, real cheese in there. Or defending Doritos now. How do you have a cannabis show and you're pissed at Doritos? We can't be mad at Doritos. No, we're not mad. I just, hey. Hey, if you don't have t- intolerance to it, hand. then it's the isn't that the answer in itself? <laughs> Doritos and cannabis make the perfect couple. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, I do like that. All right, real quick. So uh, we do a thing every week: fact, fiction, or the jury is still out. So this week, I don't have an official subject so much as um, do we think that THC is good or bad for exercise and working out? So what I usually do is ask everybody that's on the podcast their opinion, and then I'll jump into three or four articles that I've read over the last however much time I researched, and we'll see if we determine that it's true, fake, or the jury's still out. So Justin Passamonte, do you believe that smoking marijuana, which we know we don't like that word, or the cannabis plant, or CBD, (laughs) or THC, or taking those in, and exercise, is it something that's good for you, or is it something you should avoid? During exercise, you're saying? Yeah, for, with, with exercise or post-exercise or just being, being uh, exercise conscious and a smoker or an intake of it. I think it's going to be different for everyone, to be honest, because, I mean, I'm sure some people can come down from an exercise and handle smoking and maybe others become lazier. We don't want that, right? Amen, brother. Not in my class. 
So I can imagine if someone came to your class high, what would you be doing to that person? Be nothing different, right? Because they no. want to come to you. They're motivated. They want to work out, right? It's not like they're coming to you want to go back Absol- to their couch, right? Absolutely. Um, I agree with Justin. I think people get people that affects people differently. I personally don't think I could work out high ever. You know, afterwards, I think it's amazing. But before my workout or during my workout, I, I, I haven't. It's not something. I don't think I could function. I, I think I could function, but I don't think I'd be. I definitely wouldn't be as great a trainer. I think we skip more numbers than what we already skip right now. Although my clients think that I, you know, can't count. I do it on purpose. They just get an <laughs> extra three sets all the time. Just say I was a police officer. I'm bad at math. Yeah. Yep. One suspect, three suspect, five. So um, as far as actually while doing it, yeah, I kind of agree with you, both of you. Um, but I, you know, I'm gonna. I haven't really dove into this. So I apologize that you're going to be here to listen to this. But in 17 years of, of being a triathlete, um, one injury pretty much. I've had plantar fasciitis one summer. Uh, I had tendonitis on one 100-mile bike ride when I was training for the Ironman. And other than that, no injuries in 17 years. Uh, and I've pretty much smoked uh, cannabis every day since I was 17. I'm 46 now. Uh, I talked to uh, my friend Dave Boots from Fleet Feet uh, locally, who was a mentor of mine in the triathlon community, and he was a, a phenomenal um, duathlete in his own right. And we talked about this, and he doesn't know another triathlete in Rochester 17 years that really has been injured as little as I have. That's awesome. Yeah, and and that's going with a lot of people that, uh, you know, he trains runners, you know, weekly. That's what they do at Fleet Feet. They're really good here in Rochester. So I got to say, I was never high racing except for one race. So I'm going to tell that story a little bit right now. Rochester <laughs> Marathon. I was going through a divorce. Um, my ex had just moved out that month, and it was my first marathon, and I was very emotional. But I got high, did a couple bong hits before the race, um, went and ran a 311.23, qualified for the Boston Marathon. Um, but I did go down, and I'm going to be very honest because I want people to understand that I did go down at center field, the frontier field, about 100 yards from the finish line. And I didn't know why. I didn't know if it was... Um, from the emotion of the race or not taking enough water and being dehydrated or whether it was, you know, smoking before. Um, but during the race, I have told the story once before, um, during the race, I cried like a baby twice while I was running a marathon, uh, because at the time I was going through divorce, I have two kids and there was a vehicle on the course with a family with a signage and celebrating the vehicle is the same vehicle as my vehicle. Mm-hmm. And as I saw it both times, I thought it would maybe my, my ex and my kids. Uh, and it wasn't. So like I'd passed by that vehicle and really, so what I determined basically during that race was, is the emotion and not taking enough fluid. I basically was dehydrated. So it wasn't the smoking that caused that issue, but basically my buddy picked me up at center field, threw a goo pack in my mouth, squeezed it. He said, hurry up, Brian, you're going to qualify for Boston. <laughs> Slap my butt. I finished around the warning track, around the outfield, came into home plate, finished. And two people said, my finishing pictures, they said, you look like you're the highest and happiest I've ever seen anybody finishing a marathon. So I was 18th overall. It's 2005. Everybody can look it up themselves. 311.23, qualified for Boston. And I did it on bong hits. Um, honest. So that's the only race in my 17-year career I was ever high for. Um, but I also smoked pretty regularly in my training sessions. Uh, so during my Ironman, all my 100-mile bike rides would – most of them started out in Penfield with a group of guys, Dan Giblin, 
uh, Matt Kelman. You guys were the men. Thank you very much. Helping me through that. Um, but when I was beating you guys on the hills climbing with my with my old stove <laughs> triathlon bike, I was high as a kite when I beat you guys on every hill. Then on the flats, they catch me with their good Cervellos and carbon fiber bikes. But that's a little bit of my story on how I've used cannabis in 17 years of triathlete. So you as a personal trainer, how do you view a story like that? I'm super jealous because I have tendonitis always, forever chronic back issues from playing derby i go to acupuncture regularly uh actually at this point i go quarterly uh to deal with my chronic back pain i've had three concussions playing roller derby i fractured my shoulder playing basketball i've actually fractured the same shoulder three times which is probably why i have tendonitis in it i sprained my ankle playing derby broke my knee playing derby and i wasn't high at all so at this point just kind of damn jealous that you smoked every day and I showed up like already clear head. I should have got high. No, I could have shouldn't have got high. I don't. I, so I don't think I do great. I one of the roller derby rules is you can't drink. You know, you you can't drink while you're on skates. You know, just to you know out of respect. You know, we we always you know want to want to be respectful and always want to look like you know. We, especially there's kids. There's a lot of kids that support us. There's you know you know junior derby so first of all you're a role model you know when you're on skates i personally don't know anybody that smoked while they were skating uh, but i'm sure somebody did it just wasn't me i don't I, i'm just I, maybe i just wasn't coordinated enough i mean at this point i'm just gonna go throw on my skates and you know skate around the gym and say, i'm just joking <laughs> see if i can figure it out <laughs> But no, I don't I don't personally don't think I could pull it off. I think it's super awesome that you did all of that high like goals. Just yeah. joking. <laughs> so eighteen months of training for the triathlon. I went two and a half months without a day off. Like you know, at that point when you're training like that, you consider a three or five mile run a day off. Right. So but as far as most people looking at it, I didn't have a day off for seventy five days straight without not doing something prepping for the Ironman. Yeah. So then the Ironman, uh, that training with all that could have been better. Obviously my mom passed during that time that I was training and everything. So it skewed things a little bit, but I did 1223 at the Ironman. I was 415th out of the water after the swim. Um, so at that time and, and, Lake Placid, Ironman, all the, everybody starts at once. Mm -hmm. So it's 3000 people at once in Mirror Lake. Uh, so I was 415th out of, you know, almost 3000 people. Uh, and then as the day went through, I got dehydrated slowly, but the bike, you know, it was a good bike. And then I finished the marathon slow 448. So that was my weakness because I was dehydrated. But that experience and that training really, I don't recommend it for many people. So, so I, the reason why I'm bringing this up about the Ironman is this is the extreme of exercise. Mm -hmm. You are talking to people that on a daily basis are just trying to be fit and nutritious. That's yeah. to me, this is more important than what I'm talking about with Ironman. I don't want people to go out and do Ironman. I want people to do, go your class. Well, listen, you sold me healthy. on the Ironman. I'm going to sign up for it tomorrow. I'm Why? Gonna 18 get... months of torture? Yeah, luckily, you have a, a husband that cooks for you already. Listen, so. roller derby is the Ironman of fitness, of uh, sports, okay? Because every time you think you're going to get a break, they say, but we can just have scrimmage on just Wednesday. And then you say, okay, that sounds like that's going to be fun. And it says, oh, we can just have an off skates three days a week and one scrimmage. Before you know it, you're just fully back and it never ends. Like they, it's always something. It's one person that wants it to keep going, which, you know, it's a, it's, it really is an amazing experience. 
But, you know, you can always just train by yourself on off season and not drag all the rest of us with you. <laughs> no, that's funny because that's what happens, right? So in these groups, right, some of it's social, some mm-hmm. of it's the exercise part of it, and some of it is people without that go home to nothing. Mm-hmm. Like that's about everything, not just roller derby, right? Like, yeah. you know, a lot of aspects of our life. All right, so let's get back to the fact fiction. So do we think it's a fact that it's good or not? So I went to weedlist.ca, uh, and only because I picked this first, because this is the facts about marijuana and exercise. And of course, if that's the headline, it's got to be true, right? Um, so uh, the fact, exercise can seriously boost your buzz. And I've seen three different articles kind of saying this, so I'm just going to read. Sorry, guys. According to a recent study published within the Journal of Drug and Alcohol Dependence, researchers at the University of Sydney discovered the engaging and exercise can provide you with a stronger buzz and increase the potency of the marijuana. Rather than needing purple strains or wax, the fact is that working out for just a half hour will trigger an additional stronger high for marijuana users. Within the study, 15 cannabis smokers were asked to complete 35 minutes of exercise on stationary bike while researchers measured the level of THC in their blood. The study found that the levels of marijuana's active ingredient were 15% higher on average after they engaged in exercise. Wow. Still, um, no. And, And I'm saying that that goes to what you and Jay said because Gino and I in past episodes, we say it's not... It's not the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. Some people should just take in CBD. Some people should take in THC. And some people need to take a, a combination of both. Mm-hmm. And they need to know which, if it's a sativa or an indica, and what benefits and what will work for their body. So think about this. Think about someone that knows they've never exercised on it before. Then they have that same marijuana that they've smoked. And all of a sudden, they exercise for half a half hour. And they think, holy smokes, this is better than I've ever smoked before. And they think it's a different brand or a different strain or something. But really, it's your body endocannabinoid system in your body basically increasing that THC in you. That's amazing. I'm jealous. I would say get high and come to my class. I'll so bet you I people can, so we, do. So we could boost your highs. Yeah. I could totally boost your high. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty, I, I know people get high and come to my class. Good. It doesn't help them after the fact, but I'm sure before it's great. Um, I told you, I'm, I'm trying, I smoke to come all, to come down for the health benefit of it you know definitely not before I need it for after you know being super physical you know for that long with my shoulder with my back with my injuries oh, with carrying grandkids for a couple hours you know I, I it's perfect at night to just wind down and be comfortable I don't think I could I, I don't think for years I don't think I'd have been if during derby I would have been able to sleep if I didn't in I, the evening. I love this perspective because <laughs> this is a true, this is someone who's fitness but believes in cannabis but also knows there's certain limits to everybody and this is what each of us have to learn for ourselves. The whole cannabis thing for me was so weird, like how it came about for me, you know, it it still it has so great, so many great health benefits. Absolutely, I, I agree. It has so many great health benefits. People come up to me all the time you know especially with the with the cbd people are absolutely in love with it i haven't tried it yet can't wait to actually try it at this point i mean my friends who are doctors lawyers teachers are all you know just coming up to me telling me how great they feel and i had no idea that they're even trying these things these are people that you wouldn't even think you know would ever try it you know people in my class my acupuncturist is getting certified in cbd and you know and doing these things so it's really piqued my interest you know in, into it because 
I'm not a huge smoke cannabis fan, you know, as far as smoking, but I do really like the the, the health benefits of uh, THC. It has personally really helped me in fitness, especially in the evenings when I need to wind down from training everybody all day and from training myself and from taking care of my family. It really just helps me to wind down. That's what it's about. You know, for me, I recreationally, I, I don't I don't think me and my friends really need any help being any goofier than we already are. I mean, you've met us. You saw us over at the gym. You probably thought we were high just because we're that silly. But uh, yeah, I, I really I really like the health benefits of uh, THC. Another fact. Are we ready? The same study. So we already said it activates, uh, it activates the THC. So we know that. So how about this? So for women, marijuana and exercise eliminate your muffin top. How about this? Engaging in modern exercise each week in a smart way to burn off extra calories in your diet to maintain a lean body shape, but it turns out that calories burned in exercise is not the only method for losing weight. According to a recent study for the American Journal of Medicine, researchers have discovered that pot smokers actually have 16% higher levels of fasting insulin in their bodies than those who abstain from marijuana. In addition, the study indicates the cannabis users have 70% lower insulin resistance levels, as well as significantly smaller average weight circumferences than their non-smoking counterparts. Since insulin is an important hormone that signals your body's cells to take in glucose for energy, having too much unused sugar floating around your cells will lead to weight gain, especially in the tummy region. As the ultimate enemy to fight against notorious muffin tops, the cannabinoids that are found as active ingredients in marijuana will help you handle insulin properly and facilitate more efficient me- metabolic metabolic. <laughs> Thank you, David. Metabolic <laughs> functioning. I was speaking too many words. Metabolic functioning. Therefore, beyond the obvious pleasurable effects of a high, marijuana and exercise go in hand in hand for improving health. I agree. So when I first uh, when I first started to get fit, I. Uh, THC actually did really help me because my big issue was I never really had an appetite. You know, I was I was never hungry at all. I could go all day and still not be hungry. So uh, smoking helped that. It really, you know, it really did. It really helped to just kind of jumpstart my appetite. I didn't even have to do it long. It just really helped uh, me. It actually helped me lose weight. I lost probably 60 pounds. I did. I lost 60 pounds. My heaviest, I was 170 pounds. Yeah, it was 170 pounds. And smoking helped me. Like My issue was I wasn't hungry, so my body was just throwing all the fat from everything I was eating. Once I jump-started my metabolism, once I jump-started my appetite, everything just started to go. After that, um, I don't care what anybody say, I joined Weight Watchers because they know their stuff, and they showed me what to eat. You know, I, for me, fitness is about what works for people and what works, you know, for me, I'm not above trying anything, you know, if it's going to help me be fit, if it's going to help me as, you know, overall as a person. And so I knew Weight Watchers knew what they were talking about because I had a friend that was huge that was like, I don't know, like a two and a half last time I saw her. So I figured they told her something what to eat. And I knew, you know, me and her had different eating habits, but still I was super interested. I went and they absolutely helped me. I mean, the hands out, the books, the weigh-ins, the everything. I was all about it all. And then once I got the tools that I needed, I was on to the next step, which was fitness. So I did start at nutrition and 
CBD helped me with nutrition because it jump started my appetite to to get the ball rolling. Actually, how long ago were you at that weight? If you don't mind me asking, just curious what the transformation. How long? Two three years ago. Holy smokes! Are you kidding me? No. Now these two, by the way, if I would have never guessed the story because the two people sitting from me right now are two of the fittest people, like smiling, like energy, like good color to their skin, like like I'm talking to salt of the earth people here that you guys, everybody wants to be friends with. Like these guys are those people that motivate you just to look at them. Like these guys are in shape. That I love to hear this story. No. You're only two years removed, really, yeah. from being unhealthy and not yeah. like, take being the best you, right? Yeah. So, I'm telling you, I. 170 pounds I, I absolutely I when I it was 170 pounds I, I was probably about 160 150 when I played roller derby in fact I would only play roller derby at that weight I would not do it now <laughs> they'd, they'd slide me across the floor <laughs> I was gonna say that, yeah. and and you know the funny part is actually I probably got down to probably 130 playing derby at the time when I was playing derby and I still thought that I was so heavy and so balanced man it's nothing more humbling than think thinking you're still 170 pounds and you go to hit a girl that's 300 pounds and you end up across the track. <laughs> so at 130, were you strong? Like, were you strong at 130 or, did, no. or not as strong as you are now? Nope. Right? You're, no. You're 20 pounds less Again, now. Again, I, and... I was still playing derby, so I really wasn't working out like that. Derby was my only fitness and my eating habits were very poor. So uh, what I, a trainer came in and he told us and he called us weekend warriors. And I was pretty offended by that. But it's the truth. I didn't do anything other than show up for derby and give it my all. I wasn't doing anything um, fitness outside. Now, during this time, there was a lot of people in derby getting fit. Right. There were a lot of people losing weight, putting on muscle. I mean, you name it. Just, you know, really giving it their all for travel teams five-minute planks, I mean, they were going all out. And I was thinking, nope, I'm all set because I can look like this, do this, nobody cares. You know, at the workouts, we always had derby workouts. And I just didn't do most of it just because I just figured I couldn't do it. I've never seen half the stuff. You know, when I first started, I was like, mm, no thanks. Because who's going to tell me to do it? Nobody ever said it. And I tell people all the time, don't cheat yourself. I only cheated myself. You know, these people were doing... These things that were just put in front of us, hey, do this to be a better derby player. And I just never, I just never did it. I just never applied myself. And now thinking about it, if I would have just tried back then, I was like a plank for what? Like, you're still going to let me skate. Why do I have to do a plank? So, it went, yeah, I was definitely a very unfit person playing derby. It was once I left derby and then I was thinking, man, I'm going to get huge. I'm not doing anything. I need to do something. And that's really just how it started for me. I really just was sitting home one day and said, I, I got to do something. So I started working out at home because I'm big on not looking crazy in public. Like YouTube or something, just like following anything or just your no. own workout? Oh, just my own workout. I, I sat one day and thought, man, what would mostly benefit me? Be now, mind you, I've been through a police academy before and that was probably... That, that was the most fit I'd ever been in my whole life. So I just started applying some of that, you know. Of course, you're going to be skinny if you're chasing people. You got to run, right? And during that time, I really did. I had to eat somewhat better. Th actually, at the time, it was mostly fast food. So it just made sense to kind of bring your own stuff, you know, that would be better with my weird texture issues, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was kind of working for me as well. But I don't know. I really... I really 
I just figured some things out for myself. I just thought what would be best for me. And then I thought about what we had been doing in Derby, what I had been doing just like all around. And I thought, I don't want to do that. I want to do something. I want to work muscle groups at the same time. I don't want to do squats for 20 minutes and lunge for 20 minutes and this for 20 minutes. I need to do something that I'm going to work all three of these things in 20 minutes. So I started really just putting these custom workouts together for myself to work smarter, not harder. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of how it started. It, and then people started, I would go to the gym and people would see it and say, what is that? Or why are you doing that? And then they started seeing the results I was getting from the gym. And then basically I made a lot of gym friends and a lot of people would meet me there and work out with me and I would help people just because. And then my friend said, why don't you get paid for this? You're always here. You're always doing it. You're always working out with somebody. Why don't you do it for real? So it's kind of trial and error. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's awesome. So it's basically your personality and your energy drew people to you and then it was trial and error, right? Like, Yep. That's what I would say it was. I love it. Um, so I teach people, uh, I used to coach for Flea Feet for mm -hmm. several years, um, coach triathletes from the couch first to the first triathlon ever. We had a coach from, we had a coach. Uh, Remember his I name? I want to say it came from uh, Tom. He was a triathlete. He was a huge runner, yeah. sponsored by Fleet Feet. So he volunteered to train us for years. And I never did any of the things that he said. Looking back, I wish I did. He was the most fit person ever. He was so serious. Probably hated me. Because <laughs> everything he said, I said something what, not what he was saying. Whatever. <laughs> exactly. I wasn't doing anything he was doing. In fact, I was complaining about what he was saying to do. Yeah. So I am actually to the point now in my life where I teach people three, these three things I believe. So I'm curious from your perspective, if I'm on, on point or if maybe I'm wrong telling people this, three exercises, biking, swimming, yoga. If you could do those three things in your life, you don't need another exercise. Hits every muscle group and your cardio and it's the least impact on your legs. What's your opinion? Well, and meditation is involved in there too. Oh my God. I love meditation. So I can't swim. There was not a lot of pools in the inner city, so you, you can't swim fast in a trash can. So that didn't work out. You had the big harbor. There was only a little bit of petroleum. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know harbor. anybody that fell in the harbor that learned how to swim? They're still looking for everybody. That, in fact, they don't even look after you fall in the harbor. What are you talking about? I learned how to swim there. You can't swim at recreational parks because there's too many of you. You can't move. You know, I, I don't know. So I agree. Swimming is amazing. Um, my husband swims. And so I do I do kind of Tabata style workouts, but I do um, totally custom. I just come up with these things and people love it. It works out. But since he swims, I always tell him, you know, I give it like swim a couple laps, then come back, then do your planks, then do your sit ups and just add it into it. So I agree. I think David would agree that swimming is amazing. I can't do it. So I, I can't attest to it. But agreeing with you on that yoga, I'm the least flexible person ever. But I love yoga. I and Pilates. I think yoga and Pilates kind of go hand in hand. For me, I love stretching and, you know, the, the, the lengthening of the core, like all all that good. You just feel awesome after that. That also goes in with meditating. Mm -hmm. no, I just started meditating, though. I just started a couple weeks ago. And it is a huge health benefit. It really is. I was missing out all these years on meditating. And I just started I'm definitely no pro meditator. I'm like two weeks in. 
like I'm so glad you brought this up though because recently I did the same thing. Um, so I did the Insight Timer app. Someone mm-hmm. told me to get it, so oh, that's the one I, I put on my phone. I the same one. Oh, perfect. So yes. I went through the seven days of learning. Did you do that seven days of learning one? Have you met me? I skipped all of that. Oh, I just clear. jumped right into what I thought was going to be for me. <laughs> I should have known that. Yeah, no. I've done the seven basic days like three times in a row. Oh, that's awesome. I but seen it. I find, but I find that just her and that five and ten minutes talking me through that I get into my meditative state just by you I, I'm finding I don't need you know bigger ones mm-hmm. I just need that trigger yeah and then I can get to meditation through that it's like my trigger if yeah that makes sense. I use those same ones though so I've been using those same ones I saw that course and I was like seven days I don't have uh, no this looks way too structured for me so I did what everybody else did I clicked on how long I wanted to meditate and then I clicked on what might be interesting to me music you know definitely music I need somebody to tell me what I'm doing or I'll probably just fall asleep where I'm sitting so I definitely was looking for guided meditation same thing. Somebody just suggested to me, best thing. I really like that inside t- that insight timer. It's got. I try it, but I find that it's most beneficial if I meditate for thirty minutes. I tried it for ten, and then I switch it up too. I pick like three different ten minute ones, or a fifteen minute one, a ten minute one, and a five minute one. It's got to break it up. So. So honestly, and I'll be quite honest. How much of that time is your mind really blank, not thinking of anything? Because I know for me, it's maybe a minute of a whole 10 minutes of meditating that I seriously have no thoughts where she keeps saying, push those thoughts away, push those thoughts away. But they keep coming back like. Yeah, I don't. So I thought it was just me because I was super new at it. I was like, that's why I do 30 minutes. So at least I get like three minutes of like. Total. <laughs> Thank you. Please cheer on that, Jay. We need to cheer something on that. Like, <laughs> some meditation for other people. So now you have two people that are fit. You have cannabis. So we're in a state that are close to meditative, I believe, in our lives. Like, because because we really are fit, and you really are close to meditative, and we still can't do it, everybody. Like, no. give meditation a try. Be more patient than Sean and I here, and it could be a benefit in your life. Like we're seeing it just in small doses, right? So that's what I want to say to people uh, yeah I, I still find it to be beneficial even if i've really I, then i thought about maybe i should do it for 45 minutes so i can get like five minutes of like <laughs> mind clearing at this point i'm gonna have to up it for it to an hour to get that five minutes that i think she's really looking for although i don't know who you're listening to she sounds way too demanding to me i like the guy that <laughs> sounds like he could double as like buddha and he's got this really relaxing voice and he tells me, he actually gets me to chant and that's pretty cool because after a while you have no idea what you're saying even you're like, what the hell is going on here? I don't know. Chant. I didn't do that. I got to find a chant. Oh, you got to find a chant yeah, one. Those chant. are real cool. So I do it like self-motivational ones. I'm going to start my own. It's going to say, don't kill people. Don't kill people. Be nice. Be nice. Peace and love. Or listen, it's going to say, you don't want to go to jail. You don't eat meat. Like it just needs to reassure you of all the things that you really don't want in your life. I think that's about the same as meditation. Although I've seen um one on Facebook. It's the, I don't know. I think it's like the meditation that you get to say fuck a lot or something like that. Or they say bad words. I People are really into that one I saw. So how about your idea? Let's apply that in a science form in a prison. So let's have them pump through meditation in a prison where we're saying, don't eat, no violence, no, no. red meat, no drug. What do you think? I think 
everybody needs a meditation chair met though then like we'd have to get them some 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 stuff we'd have to get them the accessories a little crowd sharing we could probably come up with one prison worth of stuff for people right a little we, exercise we mat did, per, two per cell right why not we, we could make this work I meditated in a group once at Derby. It was the lights were out. I was actually pretty scared for like the first five minutes. I was like, I don't know what this is about. Why do you keep telling me to put my hand over my heart? Are you going to steal something? Like, what's happening? But um, again, hey, I think. Have you had a lot of people steal things from your life? There seems to be yes, some kind of theme. I'm from where, Baltimore. Yes. So, so you were constantly with like doors locked, your bike locked up at all I times? I locked my door. So, my a bike. They stole my bike. I'm just joking. I absolutely had a bike. <laughs> Several bikes. <laughs> Each one I lock stolen. my doors all the time. I always lock my doors. I lock my doors here in Rochester. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't trust people like that, but it's a thing. I have a lot of friends that I lock everything just because, you know, you never know. Now my I know stuff, why there's a lock on her watch. I don't know. Lock on my watch, yeah, my off. phone. I also have kids too, okay? So maybe it's that. Maybe it's being a parent. I have to like secure my shit all the time. Not so much the, the people. It's my kids. I have, 15, I have a 15-year-old. Everything is fair game. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's even diverse from that. She's a 22-year-old, everybody. She stills too. Yeah, and I'm sure that the padlock has to be on her uh, walk-in closet just for her 22-year-old. It's on I'm my room. Oh, and by the I way, the two of them are like the same size, so I'm sure they exchange each other's clothes regularly. Never. That's I have a lock on my whole bedroom. A Bluetooth padlock. I'm so serious. I'm going to send you a picture of it when I get home. I have a Bluetooth padlock on my door right now because they like my things a lot. Of course. But I buy them their own things. And to me, I think their things are better, but they still... Yeah, I'm not gay, but you had some cool pumps on it. You're opening it. Oh, my God. Like, I, I noticed that shoes. stuff. Like, come on. They all tried them on, too. Did you see it? I took them off for one second to put on slides, and everybody... And they put them on. I could... That fast. My daughter was the first one with her feet in them. I'm, I'm a see? shoe fan. I like women's shoes. I don't know. I know. I'm I weird, like but... women's shoes, too. All right. So one more factor going to throw out there. We are winding down to the end because I know it's late for these guys, but I'm going to force them to stay here a little bit longer. So another fact, exercise also activates the brain's endocannabinoid system. So this is something I just posted on Facebook the other day. The endocannabinoid system is something I'm trying to learn a lot more about. Um, Because in school, did you have any kind of class on the endocannabinoid system in your nutrition class? How does the system that runs our body never talked about nutrition class? We are all aware of the fact that exercise is extremely important for the human body. Not only is working out a major key to preventing obesity that can cause the health concerns of diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, yada, 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 but exercise is also linked to a dramatic decrease in stress with a rise in self-confidence. I don't know if I believe that because I was a 17-year triathlete and I'm still a shy, not quite self-hocking guy in some places, so I'm not sure. But Contrary to to previous belief, it is not only the endorphins that are released in the brain that make exercise activities feel so rewarding, both physically and mentally. In a 2003 study, researchers uncovered the truth that marijuana and exercise both activate the same endocannabinoid system in the brain. So the endocannabinoid system, if Gino was here right now, he'd be saying there's CBD1 and 2 receptors in our bodies. And the CBD1 receptors, oh, I know I'm going to say this wrong. CBD1 receptors in our brain help promote so many things within our body. And basically, we read last week that Parkinson's disease, they actually have it on the page where they are saying medical marijuana is very good for people with Parkinson's as, a, as a, to offset 
Um, so it's definitely shown. So as a group of lipids, fats, and cell receptors that THC bind to when smoking weed, the endocannabinoid system plays a prominent role in the neurological system for maintaining homeostasis for overall human health. In short, the endocannabinoid system is responsible for easing our pain, controlling our appetite, relieving our stress, influencing our mood, and even regulating our memory. In order to help our body cope with pain from rigorous physical activity, our brain will naturally produce its own version of cannabinoids to stimulate the system during exercise. Just like taking a hit of marijuana, the natural cannabinoids will begin to circulate through your endocannabinoid system when you exercise to produce a high. So in my mind, the endocannabinoid system, let's take this a step, how about Michael Jordan when he was in his prime and he was killing it with a 40-point night or Larry Bird when he was just talking mad smack to the Detroit Pistons <laughs> bench making his three-pointers from the corner right in their mug. It's the endocannabinoid system that gave him that, that what is it, that feeling? What do the people call it? They're in the zone where they don't even feel it. My belief is that the endocannabinoid system that causes that in elite athletes. That's my thought. What do you think? I agree gotta be something i mean it's that that like extra you know that you don't generally have i, I think everybody has it in there the well, that um cannabinoid that uh is what definitely helps it don't kill me gino that's that the <laughs> i like my endocannabinoid is that what it is for yeah you said it yeah that's fancy i'm just gonna keep saying it i'm we should chant that for yoga and I like it. That is a good one. Yes. So the endocrine system, uh, I'm just going to pull it up right now on Wikipedia, just so, you know, that's basically my brother now is throwing basketballs at me. Uh, so apparently it. he's getting a little tired over there. So the endocrine system is a chemical messenger system consisting hormones, the group of glands of an organism that carry these hormones directly into the circulatory system to be secreted into distant target organs and the feedback loops of homeostasis and the hormones drive. All right, I'm done reading today. That's kind of... Kind of the basis of it. Yeah, I know you're falling asleep too. Um, so basically, I think what we've decided in this episode is exercise is good for you, proper nutrition, figuring out how to use cannabis in your life properly, yeah. having as many life experiences as possible, whether it's roller derby or Baltimore or Rochester or starting your own business, and make sure you smoke pot every day. I don't know about every day. It's been working for you. Listen, I just I just don't have these experiences. I think it's amazing. I honestly have never, I think, met anyone like you that smoke pot and actually works out. You know, most of my friends, I told you, pot and Doritos go hand in hand. So the fact that you've accomplished so much, you know, and smoke every day, I think it's amazing. I, I do. I admire that, you know, that you've done all these things and here I am you know, fighting crime and chasing people and skip pot, honestly, until um, I didn't start smoking pot until my mom passed away a couple of years ago. You know, when I was younger, I did it socially, but not, you know, regularly. So it's just kind of something that I found, man, maybe not even like four years ago. And I just keep learning all these great, you know, benefits of it. You know, clearly, as a police officer, I had some negative. Well, actually, I'm not gonna lie. I never really cared anything about pot. I mean, in Baltimore, you got crack, so pot is the least of your worries, unless it's a lot and you can smell it. Then that's something different. You should definitely investigate that. But you know, you definitely have bigger thing, bigger bigger fish to fry in Baltimore than the pot dealers. 
but the I've, you've really opened my eyes to a lot of things as far as pod and 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 a, just a lot all the way around. I just and the fitness. I thought I knew all the good stuff, but you've really opened my eyes to some things. I thank you. How about hardcore hardcore health dot com? So h a r c o u r t health dot com. Uh, five. Three facts about marijuana exercise. It's one of these I really get. It helps with focus, uh, but it can speed up recovery. So I think this is a big piece of how it helped me through my training. So that's why I want to read this. Uh, while there were no cold, hard facts about whether marijuana could speed up recovery, many people swear by it. According to Dr. Dustin Sulak, CBD, which is a major cannabinoid in marijuana, has therapeutic effects. While you won't get high, you will get benefits from CBD. It is shown to enhance immune system functions, stop muscle spasms and seizures, as well as decreasing inflammation and pain and speeding up recovery and healing. When you want to gain muscle during exercise, you need to recover and heal. If you have CBD in your system, Sulac believes you'll be able to do this faster than someone who does not. Agreed. Yeah. And and I mentioned a study last time, so I want to ask you this. What do you think is the gateway drug? Definitely not pot. <laughs> I don't know. I never went any further. No. So, I mean, do you, do you think there's, so there's a study, University of Florida that I just read because it was recently re-put out, but it was actually done in 2012. Tobacco and alcohol are the gateway drugs by the study by far. I was going to say Motrin. <laughs> Mot- ibuprofen. <laughs> ibuprofen. <laughs> no, that's what tears up my brother's stomach. <laughs> See, mine too. That's what happened to my stomach. Definitely. So I didn't give you a chance yet. Can you please list all your social media sites, websites, any place where people can find you and tell me maybe what's coming up with your with your club? Oh, absolutely. So you can get me at badassbodiesbyshawn.com. That's with two Ds, B-A-D-D-A-S-S. You should know how to spell bodies, but B-O-D-I-E-S. B-Y-S-E-A-N.com. I'm just joking, guys. So yeah, badassbodiesbyshawn.com. I'm, I'm on Facebook at Badass Buddies by Sean on Facebook, also on Instagram. Currently working on uh, Snapchat. I'm old. My kids just hooked me up with that. Yeah, they're, they're Snapchat. I'm going to be doing that soon. Well, <laughs> you got to remember, most moms out there and, and the people and the dads, they're not Snapchat. Look, I, okay. I'm going to show my age. I'm going to be on the Snapchat soon. I'll be on the Snapchat. <laughs> the Snapchat. <laughs> the Snapchat. I'm already on the Facebook, so I'm going to be on the Snapchat. And her four so, kids and my two kids are all rolling their eyes right now going, the Snapchat, really? Ab- absolutely. That's, I, that was for them. The Snapchat. I'll be on soon. <laughs> so my new location's at 936 Exchange Street, uh, located South Wedge, Cornhill, downtown. It's perfectly located in all three. So pick one. Um, that's about it. I, you can... You sure? You can find me. You got something coming up though. I thought I, I had a reposting so like some kind of wine Absolutely, stuff, right? I'm, I'm, I am. I'm lying to you. Next Wednesday, I am having my favorite class, a resistance bands dance party. It's like Zumba on like crack because you add the synergy resistance bands and you just make it way harder. So you sweat more. And people just smile and say great things to me the whole time. Like, oh, you're torturing them? Yeah, yeah. They smile and say great things to me. And you can see them saying stuff in between their teeth. But they're having a good time because it's like their favorite song. So they, they're not really mad. So I really like that one because you can't hear the things that they're saying to you over the music. And then, you know, I do the choreography. So I keep them busy the whole time. By the time they're pissed, they're on their way home. They didn't even know what happened to them. Perfect. And so I really love that one. That's on Wednesday. 
The great part about that one is immediately following after it, it's Wind Down Wednesday. So we'll have a little happy hour thereafter for everybody that works super hard. So for those of you listening to this podcast, this actually happened three days ago. Uh, but I want to <laughs> make sure you understand the stuff that will be going on her, her club and we'll continue to, I'm, I want to say her club, that's not correct. Um, oh, I, I don't have a clubhouse. I'm not yeah, that I know, old. That's what it's I mean. not a like, yeah, I It's a gym. Clo- gym, thank I keep, you. So I've been I calling it a space for forever because we've been building it, but it's actually a gym. It's a gym now, I'm sorry. It's a, it's a gym. So make sure you look at her websites. I also will be continually on my Relentless Forward Progress page, be posting things when she's got stuff going on, and check out videos. Her her husband also does videos and pictures, so keep posted as to what's going on and new at Badass Bodies by Sean in Rochester, New York. And if people are thinking about moving to Rochester, New York, we're going to close with this. You came from Baltimore to Rochester. You didn't really know anything that came up here about 15 years ago. So yeah. what would you tell people about Rochester? Like if they're thinking about moving here, what, what would be something you would want to tell them? Because I love Rochester more than any other city Northeast. I've traveled all of the Northeast, so I'll let you think about this for a minute, and I'll go yeah. through my spiel. I don't want to live in Buffalo. I wouldn't live in Syracuse. Albany, maybe, because it's close to the Adirondacks, so I'm a big skier. But to be honest, in the Northeast, from Cleveland all the way up to Maine, Rochester is the city I would come to um, with all my travels. So what do you think about Rochester and why should someone move here? I would have to agree. It would be the people. They're creepy nice. Every, you know, I like the family aspect of Rochester. I would say come to Rochester if you are looking to start a family or just have a safer place. My kids, I, I loved when we moved here, all the things to do for the kids. It's very family uh, based. I would also say definitely come bring your good coat. If you came from Florida, buy eight coats on the way. You know, Uggs are a necessity. Uh, you have to have a North Face. I'm telling you, you need everything. Long johns, I don't know if you, I'm black. Long johns, uh, is that what you call, what do you call them? Long underwear? Oh, long underwear, yeah, long oh, okay. johns, well, yeah. Don't, don't, don't say, you cannot go to Walmart or Target. You have to go to Dick's, okay? You got to spend some money on cold weather gear. I'm the coldest person in the world. I'm like a popsicle, right? I have everything. I got earmuffs on top of my head muff, on top of my hat. Two North Faces, I got everything, and the cozy socks, and the boots. So dress warm. It's great. It's like um, frozen Smallville. Come, prepare. <laughs> frozen small. If that was I don't know how anybody wouldn't want to move to Rochester after hearing that. <laughs> For the record, Uggs in Rochester, she's right about warmth, but technically Uggs are Australian footwear for surfers and if you are going to have Uggs in Rochester make sure you coat them with water protectant because I've seen girls on Halloween wear Uggs and ruin them in one night walking around wet grass on Halloween so just a little a little caveat for Uggs but other than that she's absolutely right you mm-hmm. layer up in Rochester and it is cold in the winter there's no doubt it's a lot of hard nipple advisories in Rochester <laughs> oh that is perfectly to end it <laughs> Sean, thank you for the time. David, thank you for bringing her today and being here and enjoying this with us. I really enjoyed your guys' company. I'll be promoting your your, your um, gym, not a club, uh, as well as having future conversations with you. So I support you guys both. Anything I can do for you, I am here. Thanks thank so you very much for being on my podcast.